welcome, and we're glad you've chosen to join us. Uh, your time is valuable. So we thought out how to have a conversation without actually having the outcome predetermined. It's an emerging community that we're inviting you into that takes the opportunity of a conversation to both be stimulated to a new insight, but then to build that into how a community can hold it, embody it, and take it out into the world. So listen in and be part. Hey, Barry. So we're live now. We're in the BD Labs Facebook group. Um, and I wanted this to kind of be the the first, the start of a new weekly series. We'll do Fridays at 3.30. Um, and starting with me, it'll just kind of be like open, unstructured Q&A. Um, and me and you, we've, we've done a lot of talks like this. So it should be it should be a softball to get started. Um, and then as time goes on, we'll invite other people from the community to come in and, and bring questions and, and kind of spur discussion uh, with everybody. Love it. When, uh, you say, when you say Friday at 3.30, you take me back because high school finished at 3.15. And by 3.30, I had gone to my locker, thrown my stuff in, and school was behind me and the weekend was in front of me. And I learned some things inside the walls, but I always desired to get beyond them. And the weekend, 3.30 at Friday, was like a time when my head began to change because I knew I had unplanned freedom in front of me and I loved it. So I like this weekly rhythm of Fridays at 3.30. You picked it, or it's fun to think about it from how it's been in my life before. Let's, there, get, out, let's get out and play. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. There's like, there's definitely an, an energy to a, mm -hmm. to a school's yeah. out. Yeah. School's out for the weekend. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, and exactly, let's get out and play. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the right kind of attitude for this thing. Um, I thought a lot about what would be to, to our group and community here um, on the BDU Labs Facebook group, like what would be of value? Um, and I really thought, I realized like rather than trying to like come up with something super strategic or intentional, um, I think just kind of um, the reality uh, of, of opening up, you know, the way this type of work is done and um, and really just getting a window into that to kind of a normal conversation between you and I and how those kinds of conversations are the beginning of this leadership journey um, that helps us develop into you know better leaders and I think maybe um, people people on a on a more fulfilled more more satisfied path maybe that I don't know um, and actually maybe that's the first place to get there like what do you think is there for um for developing in leadership like is that like just for a corporate ceo or um and what i know or or is it for anybody is it for somebody who doesn't have a team or doesn't run a team or and what do you see as like kind of the benefit of doing the work and and developing in your leadership mm -hmm. That's a good question. It gets my mind rolling, so I appreciate it. And I think leadership almost has become a role, if not a title. And what's, what's to be critiqued about that? Well, I think so many times we lose the person. Um, and a well-rounded person ends up being looked to for leadership in a number of circumstances and situations throughout their life. So when you deal with the person and not the role, it seems like the role presents itself in meaningful and valuable ways going forward. But leaders who are seeing it as a role or a title and not really their life and not their own personhood being changed and worked on, then those leaders end up getting into roles and they realize they've left themselves with a role. Mm. And in time, the role assumes their personality. They don't even know who they are outside of the role. I mean, literally when they retire, they go through grief because they so interface their personhood to their role, they don't know who they are. And that grief, if you really play it out, was a delayed sense that they had a long time ago. 
knowing that they were doing the role really well, but personally, they weren't satisfied. Personally, they were divorced the, of the meaning they thought this life could present for them. And so they worked harder at becoming a leader or going to leadership classes, but the, the curriculum, the content, the path wasn't there. It was time management. It was uh, seven highly effective habits. It was impersonating other leaders. It wasn't their life. It wasn't the truth of their own being. And that's the only kind of leader you can be is the one that you are um, from the inside out. And the tools to find that seem to be missing. And so we've compensated leaders fine to not ask the questions of meaning, just do the performance. Here's the package, here's the salary, here's the profile. And that's not all bad. I don't want to sound negative. I just want to say that I, I can hear the complaint of how people can do all of that and then feel like their life uh, had big parts unlived or at least unmet because the role itself isn't big enough. It's so I'll pause there because I think that's what we're I think, I think that's what we're trying to do is to make a contrast as to why this work is meaningful for anyone, whether they're a parent, a teacher, a CEO. Of the captain of their team or you know it's this is the perspective of what does it mean to to take your life into uh the transformation i noticed like with young people i've got i've got nephews like just entering their 20s yeah. and i see them really looking for like opportunities for leadership yeah. and mm -hmm. kind of like feeling like they're kind of like i'm i think i'm supposed to be an adult now right i think i'm supposed to be stepping into some form of leadership and obviously i happen to have nephews but it, i mean it's it's young women of the same age too um and then there's like you've talked to me before about like a, a later stage where you've kind of like you've kind of achieved a lot and now it's a matter of like um distributing that over other people and and then you enter like this later stage of the sage, right? And um, yeah, I'm wondering like, is leadership just a young man's game, right? Is it really? Is it? I mean, obviously, these my my nephews and and the nieces of the world who are who are just stepping into their twenties. Um, there's kind of like a critical juncture for them to develop leadership. But what about what about the men who are like just entering the stage and or women men and women who are just entering the like sage part of their life like are they developing leadership too or like or is that like is there a different transition happening there and that's something mm, it's a good question yeah i don't know if i've got that answer i think it's a great question my sense is that you need to be the leader for the season of life you're in mm. We complicate 20 year olds by trying to make them 68 year old leaders in what they know or the capabilities, the capacity, it's not fair to them. I think in every season of your life, leadership is contextualized by your level of energy, uh, the peers that you have access to, um, the opportunities should be growing in size. It's, I, I don't envy a 20 year old who's the CEO of a fast growing scaling company it's out of proportion too often. It's not fair to him or her. Um, and there's exceptions and we love to talk about the exceptions of a unicorn, but I think for the most part, leading from the season or the context where life has you is where you're going to learn the most. Um, and then that will journey with you through the next open door into the next season and opportunities if they're done well, stagger themselves one on another developing the same person but through a different series of opportunities that grow so there's leadership all the way down in this in the beginnings of our life uh if that is, does that get to the point does that get around the question i mean to so totally to that point obviously as you're talking i'm thinking um adam neumann from we work right so yeah he was a young guy and just like thrust at the okay. very front of something that maybe yeah. was a little bit more than he was ready for. Uh, but also just in our own personal work, I have dear personal friends um, yeah. in the work that we do um, that we've come across who are these 20 something leaders who it's just like, man, it, we, especially in Silicon Valley, we kind of glorify this idea of yeah. being like 
the 20 something year old CEO um, of a big company. And, and sometimes like, you know, my friends who have achieved that are, are not real happy. Yeah. Uh, so when you yeah. say it's not fair to them, like I was really thinking of the, of the personal cases that I know about that, that was like, it was a lot of pressure um, for, for someone who didn't know themselves a whole lot yet. Right. Uh, which obviously like, that's a generalization. That's not every 20 something year old, but there's a, there's a lot of 20 something year olds, right? Is that, I mean, that's just kind of, uh, like, yeah, it's no, it's all set. It's all set. Um, it's set up that way sometimes where it's really not good for the person. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, right now the economy is so looking for the new idea and the young idea that they'll take a very charismatic young person that has a great idea or they have a great charismatic gift. And by that alone, they will, um, they'll leverage them up to the top of something that they're not prepared to lead. They're charismatic. That doesn't mean they have the character um, or they've got a great idea for the market, but that doesn't mean they have the inner fortitude or the resiliency that it's gonna to take to bring that to the market. But we don't ask that of leaders. We simply want their charisma or we simply want their ideas because we're hungry to make a celebrity inside the economy because that sells. So it's almost the younger, the better. It's almost the more undeveloped, the more uh, there could be a real diamond in the rough. And, and it's not fair to the leader uh, because that he or she is yet to be formed. So, I mean, we really see it in kids where, you know, I mean, the obvious example is if you're in third grade, but you, you have a growth spurt, so you look like a fifth grader. By physique, you fit in with the fifth graders, but in the emotional development, you're in third grade. So you, you go to a restaurant and somebody expects you to act like you're in fifth grade because you look big. But the fact is, that's not really who you are. And I think it's something of that kind of a situation that we're looking for. Uh, people that we can actually act like they've got a lot more on the ball or make something out of them when we really haven't seen them take the path to really develop who they are so they can hold it and sustain it and actually become it when the external forces start really pushing in and charismata or just simply having a great idea isn't going isn't gonna to answer what some of the situations are going to be demanding. And, and, and seriously, at that point, that's just carnage. Those are just more kind of, you know, uh, tried experiments. It's like fail fast. And, and, and after a while, those are just strewn bodies on the shore of, of Silicon Valley or innovation land of people that were gifted, but never developed. Mm. Uh, so if that makes sense, and, and it just bothers me because these really are gifted people. They deserve the right to have a, a personal interior developed to start to match something of their own giftedness, but it's going to take them a while. I mean, I, you know, now I'm thinking, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Holmes. Is that her yeah, name? Remember? Yeah. Remember came out of with great eye. Yeah. So, I mean, totally, charismatic. I, really, I really felt the idea of this, like the missed opportunity of, mm -hmm. of truly gifted people who are mm -hmm. left undeveloped. Um, and almost um, in some situations, you know, like, Take, that that moment is taken advantage of, right? Mm -hmm. That they, they mm -hmm. can be used as this, uh, as you know, propped up as this symbol that helps tell a story and whatever. But it's really at their at, at their detriment, like cost to them, at cost to their own development into, mm -hmm. you know, who it is that they're trying to be. Um, and, I, and that's why I'm grateful uh, that I met someone like mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank you, Damien. And. Um, and you've been with me, kind of working with me on my journey for a long time now. Uh, you've definitely seen some development mm -hmm. over the years. Um, and I still, I, I, I see a ton of growth from where I was when we first started talking. And I, I still see a I lot of development of where I want to go. And a lot, I'm trying, I still want to be a better leader. Um, and so, you know, what's what's in there right and so you know obviously my leadership kind of profile has changed a lot from like running a company where i had a team and i needed some leadership skills fast 
um, to like now, you know, it, it's more, um, my leadership ends up being a lot more like with clients um, or, or just with my friend group, with my family needs my leadership sometimes. Uh, definitely in relationships, uh, working on showing leadership. That's like, that's definitely one of the things that has blown my mind that you've taught me. Mm. Um, that say, that again. say that part again. Showing up in relationships. Mm -hmm. well, like I, I, I watch Coach Carter or yeah. movies like that, right? And I get the yeah. idea when I'm leading a team, how important it is to like show up as the inspirational leader, right? And I never, mm -hmm. I never really thought like kind of embarrassing as it is to admit, um, I never really thought like maybe I should show up as that leader in my relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good know, point. Well, something I'm still working on, right? Well, it goes back to what you were saying uh, in our earlier question. Um, you know, the leader isn't isn't somebody in one area that they're not in in another area. Mm. I mean, when leadership's a title and a role, and it's what you do at work, and then when you come home, what that doesn't you're different. Now, those are different roles. You're the same person. So we develop the person, and then we send the person into the different ways that they show up with that development and offer it to a team or to a spouse or to kids or to whatever their situation in life is. Yeah, and that's just so important because we compartmentalized in the West, the different facets of our life as if to think we are different selves. We have different roles, but we're, we take the same body everywhere we go. We, have, we, we take the same spirit, we take the same mind uh, with us all day long. And that we've learned to turn parts of ourselves off or on in order to be uh, effective somewhere is not all bad, but it's certainly not helpful. Um, and I've watched that out of really good leaders. Their home life can be a wreck and they can be really powerful in the boardroom. And that's not to their success. They, they don't get alone and say, isn't that great how I've done that? They are sometimes a great mystery to themselves while on another side of themselves, they see themselves very empowered or successful. And that doesn't help to integrate them. That actually bothers them. And again, that's because they've not treated and seen life as a person. They more or less find out how to use their gifts and accommodate certain roles and, and expectations. Mm. Right? That's a mouthful. And there's all kinds of coaching, therapy, self-discovery, spirituality, all mixed into that kind of a, of a statement, but, but you can begin to see the compartments don't help us. I mean, but that's the thing, that's kind of what has been really powerful in my life on this journey, right? Is that like, you helped me understand the like coaching, spirituality, yeah. psychology, mm -hmm. like all of it ends up being one, right? Because the person I'm showing up to as, as at work is like, it is all those things. and. Mm -hmm. You know, I personally thought I had things really well compartmentalized, right? Until something falls apart at home and then all of a sudden work is real tough, yeah. right? Sure. To see like, oh, actually this isn't as compartmentalized as I thought it was. That's right. Compartments work until, until uh, the doors get left open on one. You mm -hmm. know, you, you come home from work really, really conflicted. And then uh, the next room you walk into maybe from work to home gets the energy the door stays open from work and and you bring home that negative energy of how you were handled in work and then you display it in the other room and blow up or you get distant or you're passive or you're overly and yeah and somebody says what's wrong and and what they're doing is they're trying to talk to you about the room you just left and most people we are talking to are coming from a conversation they're still having with themselves from another room. And, and they, don't, they don't know how to integrate, even COVID, like, like quickly, our offices now are just a doorway and step away from the rest of our lives because they're in our home and there's no commute space. There's no time to leave one room, collect it, get ready because the next room so this is very much an example of the interior of a lot of our lives as leaders we try to compartmentalize it but in fact it's far more interactive mm. and the conversation sometimes we're having with ourselves in one room we carry to the next room 
and we think we think we can handle it but the people that are in that new room realize we're not really present to them they actually know some more about us than we sometimes are aware of ourselves man that really got me the idea that like you know everybody is coming into the room from a conversation they just had right still, uh -huh. still going on still unfinished still absolutely um, and it really makes you think like how much that, you know, a meeting oh, yeah. goes well or doesn't go well and how much that right. has to do with the conversation that they're That's just, right. especially, I mean, a lot of like leadership positions talking about like more technical again, like in, in companies, you're probably mm -hmm. going from meeting to meeting, um, mm -hmm. and, and just how much that colors the way, you, you know, how you, what happened in one might color the way you're showing up in another. De definitely, definitely. Very little time sometimes to, and it's the way we play the game. Some of us actually uh, complain about it, but it's act, it, it's how we actually even choose to structure it. Mm -hmm. Because we feel, um, we feel exposed and vulnerable to actually sit down with ourselves after a meeting and close up that conversation. We almost stay busy to stay distracted from having to say, hey, hang on now. Uh, and so leaders are paid to stay busy and fill up their schedule. And in fact, it gets to be blurry. So even taken to like a conversation that's been tough and it's not finished, but the meeting's over and you've got to go to the next one. And so that's emotionally and mentally, that's that earlier conversation is still very alive in you. Uh, okay, we get that. It's like, whoa, that's not fair. It's not fair to the people that are receiving you. It's not fair to you, um, but play inside of like a, a perf perfectionistic mindset. So no matter what room I'm in, my, perf my perfectionistic mindset is, is there with me. And that pretty much is a voice that sometimes we take and there's different ones of just being a perfectionist. I happen to be a recovering perfectionist. That's why I'm bringing it up. But that's a conversation I'm having with myself before I even start with somebody who's going to give me some conflict or some challenge or a problem we've got to fix. So until I address some of these other conversations I'm in and show up for them, I'm simply almost using some of my other work to stay distracted or to try to outsource uh, to my work some of the things that I've got to deal with internally. I can definitely... And, Leaders, leaders get so busy and they get more and more separated from the work they really need to do. And then they're blasting out in power structures what everyone else needs to do. And as long as quotas are being met and people are being hired right and driven, you can get away with it externally. Internally, the gap is beginning to grow. Right. Right. I think, you know, some people are just really good at managing that gap. And so they get farther. But I mean, eventually... You know, it kind you know the debt comes to call for everybody, right? How to end joy? How to end leadership joyfully? How to come to the sage season of your leadership with satisfaction and joy mm. is a real missing art mm -hmm. in Western economy. Man, that's huge. Yeah, yeah because it, they already tell you the way they had to do it was wearing them out, burning them yeah. out smiling less, having less fun, getting more life squeezed out of them. Uh, yeah, and it's like, really? So work actually has that kind of end game for you? You know, um, when as you say that, I realize like, I think a lot of my generation actually shies away from mm -hmm. leadership and, and certainly like former formal. They don't, they don't see it being part of the happy path. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I, as you say that, it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to end up, I'm like, that doesn't sound good to me. Like yeah. eking my way through, like barely making it to retirement. And then really it's like, well, I don't know. Like, what if I don't, what if I'm not successful enough to have a nice retirement? I feel like I'm leveraging, mm -hmm. you know, my present for the future that is uncertain. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, like, that's really good, yeah. Damien. The young person's asking what good is being a leader? Mm -hmm. or, or why lead, even like why, why leadership as it's been played out so many times by the generation ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, and that's a fair question. And I think the biggest, I mean, you tell me, it seems like what I'm hearing most from the younger generation is because the global problems are so grand that it's requiring us to step up. 
Totally. I, I was having this conversation yesterday, right? And I think um, I think Gandhi was trying to let us know, right? Like be the change. Um, and I think it's really kind of like be the leader you want to see in the world, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to like steal his quote. Um, mm -hmm. There's something to that in that the the nature of the world and the way it's shifting is really calling like this this top down like Damien's going to be the leader and I'm going to carry everybody through until I'm completely exhausted and hopefully I've managed to like squirrel away some you know some sweet retirement. Um, I, I don't think that model works anymore. Mm -mm. I don't think that connects. I don't think that path works for the future that I, we're honestly already in, uh, but certainly not the one that we're walking into. And so it's all part of this conversation that we've been having that mm -hmm. the, the, I don't know if it's the changes in people inform changes of technology or changes in technology inform changes in people or. Mm -hmm. Probably or, both. And I think, I think there's gotta be a, an effect each of them are having on the other. Right. Usually, like if you're looking at innovation of a right. company or innovation of products or processes, like you have to be looking at innovation of people too. Yeah. Like the, the way people are relating to each other is completely changing and there's technological ways, right? Like we're having this conversation via zoom, but there's like just relational ways that like, mm -hmm. you know, the way we look at leaders isn't necessarily like be the guy like we've been talking about, right? Be the guy with all the answers. Now it's much more, um, you know, be the person to my right that like we can be having like this exchange of ideas. And um, you, you know what, honestly, what it makes me think of is when, um, when I was married before, mm -hmm. my grandmother, I asked her like, grandma, what is the secret to like a healthy mm -hmm. marriage? And she said, you know, Damien, you have to remember that there can only be one captain of a, of a ship. Mm -hmm. And I took that at my 20 year old self Mm -hmm. to mean like take charge right like mm -hmm. i gotta be the one in charge and uh and as it turned out my ex-wife did not appreciate that very much mm -hmm. um, i don't think that's what my grandmother meant um yeah but but yeah. with that like you know <laughs> uh there's certainly only one at any given time well yeah you take the awareness you have you take the awareness you have and you lead with it and if it's if it's a little bit, then that's what you've got. If it's more, then that's what you've got. But you inflict your own awareness on those that you're trying to lead and serve. And they bear witness either to your crash and defeat or to your change and transformation, like Gandhi was saying. I think communities develop their own leaders. Uh, that means there's a relational locality in which Damien found himself early, early on, even before school years, in which in that social, social dynamic, dynamic, there's a, um, there's a you getting formed. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if your awareness is then pretty much captivated by like, for me, my dad passed away when I was young. So I'm eight and a half. So my awareness, my social context is I better step up and be the man of the house because I was the only son left. Um, and so because that was where I was at in my life, that was the captain, the captain of the ship I became. Mm. And I sailed under that title for as long as I could stay on that voyage. Meaning that it wasn't all bad, but there came a point in time when I had to resign from that role if I was going to grow my life on. So those were just be my captain years. They weren't necessarily wrong. It's what life was asking me to do and a set of traits became mine. But there was something more to my story and my being than being captain of the ship mm -hmm. or son without a father. Right. It could take me, I mean, right? So I had to heal and let go of some of that time in order to grow into, well, what's the next assignment? And life has a way and communities have a way of handling crises or opportunities and looking to their own membership to call out one of us to say, rise up, rise up. Um, is that making enough sense? Because I, I think people, 
that are trying to lead, they don't lead out of their narrative. They lead out of some aspirational strength finder test they took. And I'm like, well, I, I love that you have strengths, but tell me your story. Mm. Because in the story is the formation. Um, you can take a strength finder's question, find out that you have high leadership traits, but if your identity of being a leader is captain of the ship, you use all those traits in order to overpower people. It's right. like, well, that, that, that's not a holistic understanding of what a leader does. What she or he does isn't just inflict their, I shouldn't say inflict, they don't just bring their strengths to a group of other people and say, I'm now the captain of your ship. Mm -hmm. So, well, then what do you do? Like, well, and it's like, we go back and we find out where is leadership in your story? And in what seasons of life did you acquire? What tools? And then where did you let some things go? So you no longer are the captain of the ship in your forties. Cause that's not very cute. You know, it's when you're little, you can get away with it, but it didn't work in your own marriage, right? And right. it did things that I was doing very well in junior high. They just don't work well at all in my 20s. Hmm. Uh, and so if you're going to be a leader, that's why we're saying the seasons of leadership begin to change. And there's an arc and a narrative to our story that we kind of are living in. And I think communities form a lot of leaders as they see what they need or they watch in your life what you had to go through and they name you as such like they call that out of you that that's your real story rather than this independent study of what are your strengths and then what might you have a higher capability on and you should be paid and hired for that and promoted as such right Is that am i am i seeing it clear enough that you can see the contrast completely it you know what it brings up for me is is two questions really like so you you'd said something along the lines of um you know, you had to let go your chapter of like being the captain of the ship. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next step is once you let go of that, then you got to kind of, you're left with who am I now? That's right. And, and I'm, you know, kind of having walked that with you, I recognize even in, in letting it go, you're left with kind of a clarity of yourself, but you can't, it's hard to name it. It's hard to, it is. It's hard to say like, oh, I'm the leader that does this. You know, right. it's just right. I don't know. So, so I guess it's like the first thing is how do you, how do you, how do you let go mm -hmm. of that like, you know, whatever it is. The you know the, I think of Jacob Marley right in, in a Christmas Carol dragging his chains around. I feel like that's kind of where I was. Like I was mm -hmm. dragging, I was this big strong leader dragging all these chains of my mm -hmm. past. Mm -hmm. that had, like, turned me into the leader that I was. And I, I felt like I had to carry all that past with me. So like, A, how do you let go of that? Uh, you've been through it, you've watched me do it. And so I'm, I'm interested in that. And then B is like, how do you define yourself coming out of that? Like, how do you, how do you figure out like, oh, this is who I am then? Those are great questions. And you know, almost depending on the person that's asking them, you begin to look down into their story because maybe the tools fit are the tools for everybody, but how we use them and which one we start with is kind of customized with the person asking the question. I think a lot of leaders, if they tell the truth, um, will tell you that early on there is a, um, a deficiency, something that was needed uh, that was either taken from them or was missing in people who they loved and they had to step up into that. Mm. And so there's an arrangement of willpower to overcome life's uh, tragedies. I think that that's really important because leaders so many times want to bury that part of their story and just go to success or go to scale. Mm -hmm. But early on, they learned how to work um, when there wasn't something and they borrowed the power of that moment to become stronger themselves. And they will powered up. They learned to make internal agreements that they came from poverty, um, but it didn't matter because they, they weren't, they weren't going to let that stop them. Uh, and then they get somewhere like, having this agreement with a willpower that really lets them drive to higher performance. And then something about that has to like crystallize 
into almost um, a second half of life where it's no longer about being driven by willpower. Mm. And, um, and we can talk about what that dynamic is, but I've watched individuals overcome in their own story, great odds. And then they're recognized with that and they feel stronger and they're, they're able to willpower themselves. But then that's the next room they have to let go of if they're gonna go on into the areas of being a, a more holistic leader. So I'll pause right there because I think, I think that's again, part of how do you get that out of a person's story? Yeah. Find out what it is that they had to show up for and they mounted strength because they encountered it. And then how did they take that strength and not even get stymied there, but learn to let some of that story go so even more development can go forward. But the first one I think is working with your own will against uh, things that would, you know, separate the weak from the strong, so to speak. Yeah, I really hear you saying that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a platform of mm-hmm. of kind of an approach to mm-hmm. solving that, but it's but you know how that platform goes into mm-hmm. each person's life is going to be really different depending on their own individual story. So you can't separate out development of somebody's leadership away from you know the room that they're coming in from, right? Right. like that almost comes full circle like right. we good point it, it's yeah. you know you can't separate it from their story right um which of course i can i can see that in my life it reminds me there's a really great book um called taming your outer taming your outer child hmm. um and it's you know the idea is that the inner child is the five-year-old you with an unmet need right mm-hmm. and then the outer child forms in response to the unmet need, right? So, so there was, you know, before there was the Barry that was going to step up and be the man of the house, mm-hmm. there was the Barry that like was crying out for a dad and was looking for who's going to, who's going to mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. me to play ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so in response to recognizing that that's not happening, that meet need is not going to be met. An, an outer child is formed that then kind of, you know, re- lives in our strengths. Um, True. And that's kind of just new, la- you know, different language for exactly what you were just saying. And then, so taming the outer child is kind of like the moving from, you know, letting the outer child drive the bus and the mm-hmm. transition into adulthood right. where you can see the outer child and honor the part of you that uh, wants to be too tough for anybody or whatever, right? right? The defense mechanism that developed but be able to set that down and say, oh yeah, no, I, I see, I see why we want to react that way. That's right. And, um, and that's just not how we deal with things. Anymore. That's really good. Cause you're, you're taking that into a helpful uh, place for me. So I, I think, you know, you meet something in your early life that's given to you that uh, you have to deal with. And by dealing with that tragedy or that loss, you develop a strength and a, and a relationship to your own will. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right on. And, and then the, and then you now parlay it to actually being a strength. But then you come up against um, never having healed what you have now put a shell around, right? So the shell around is, hey, I know how to power through. I cannot work anybody because, yeah. hey, you know what? Because, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, that's what I do, right? So right. the whole culture of that person's company and or parenting and all the other rooms, that's what they really, they do two things. They bring that into those rooms and many times they don't work well in that room because that room is a different context looking for a different side of their own life secondly they put people that they have very close to them on their team and their team has that rule so their kids if they have kids or their close friends if they have a ring of friends or if they partner a spouse all of a sudden there's a disconnect because what they don't know how to tell those people that they're closest to is in fact, this is what you need to be because this is what I do to get through my life. And if you want to know me, this is how I do me. Oh yeah. yeah and so all of a sudden somebody goes, I'm not connecting with you. And they're saying, what? I'm, I'm bringing the thing that always works so well. Correct. Yeah. Now, if you're a boss, you can fire people. That's why that room's so tricky. You can use your power and never have to look at your own awareness. And as mm-hmm. long as you're successful, you can just keep going through people. Yeah. For a while, I'm still saying at the end of the game, you're not a joyful leader, but I get it. But in the other arrangements where you don't have the ability to hire and fire, like other close friendships, you wonder why you're missing intimacy 
And what you don't realize is you caused a team culture that everybody really works hard and earns what they make. And people aren't going to get close to you for that. But in fact, that's what's been good up to this point. And now you're like you said, your game gets a little more questioned. So you get defensive because the outer child or the shell you've put around that is starting to realize it's, it's taking, it's not able to hold off the questions because there's some interior work that has to be done. And everybody's life has this. This is not like an exceptional person we're talking about. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I think. And leaders do that and leaders do that work. Right. That's where empathy that's where the understanding of why be vulnerable, that's why emotional intelligence, self-awareness is becoming such the menu of the day for leaders is because, yeah, we can go into it, but it's because that is what people are looking for out of a, a holistic leader. Mm -hmm. It's not just their strengths, but if they have an understanding as to how to work with other people. So if a, as a young entrepreneur, a young okay. leader of some kind, yeah. um, I it's clear for me um, in terms of like, and probably because I live it personally, right? But yeah, well, all of us, right? We've, go ahead, keep going. It's important to do the work early. Yeah. Because, you know, you, if you're off by a millimeter at the start, right, you're, you're off by a mile <laughs> down the yeah. road. Right? Um, and so it's super valuable to do this work. Or, I mean, I, I wish I would have, you know, started this at, at 20. Um, and maybe a little even earlier than that. I was get married at 20. Maybe I should have started this work a little earlier. But um, so I can see that. What, what do you say to leaders that are like more seasoned and maybe they're, they're either not quite in the kind of sage season of their life or they're approaching that? Mm -hmm. um, I, you mm -hmm. know, I, I like that. I like, like that question. That I'm trying to get to. That's like, there's yeah. a relationship to to innovation mm -hmm. and like, you know, finding a better way to doing things and adapting a company and a team to the way the world is, is working. And I think there's a lot of talk about technology and how to do that. And there's just like, there's not a lot of talk about people mm -hmm. and how are we making sure people are, are ready for that. People are largely just going to listen to, mm -hmm. going to be impacted by how the leader is choosing to do that. And most of those leaders, like if we're real, they're, they're older guys, right? Somewhere in between me and you. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with more kind of life behind them. And so if they think their work is done, right? Oh, that's for those young entrepreneurs. Good for you. Figure out your leadership. And I don't know, is, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think that's the case, but I'm trying to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. deferring to your expertise here. <laughs> All right. So the one thing I pulled out, I kept it in front of me, uh, you just tapped on. So it's a poem by Hafez, a Sufi poet. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's brief, but it says the small man, he wrote a long time ago, so forgive the masculine okay, pronoun, but the small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Let me read it again. Yeah. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows while the sage who has to duck his head when the moon is low keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm going to give you my interpretation here. Please. Um, I think kind of the way business used to run and needed to run was command and control. Small cages. Right. And um, we're really learning now that that just is not going to work, especially just in the nature of the way everything is doing those systems aren't going to work anymore, uh, and so now it's it's leadership looks a lot more like dropping keys to the rowdy, mm -hmm. beautiful rowdy prisoners. See, the sage sees the people in the cages as necessarily rowdy. It's good. There's energy. 
and beautiful. They're, they're not prisoners because they're bad. They're prisoners because they're in organizational structures that no one can grow in. They're compartmentalized. Wow. They're not being treated as whole persons and, and developed. And if you will, loved as such. So the sage has to come along when the moon is low, ducking his head in order to drop keys so that the uh, rowdy, beautiful prisoners can begin to realize these cages are not fit for who we are. Now, grandparents and, and others could fit those cages because in their day, a cage was a new cool thing. Uh -huh. A CEO, uh, an organizational hierarchy, a top-down command, knowing exactly what floor I'm on, you know, that could really be working for them. But, but for us, the environment of innovation is not asking us to stay inside those old cages. So where are the sages that are actually helping us dropping the keys for the, and sages are people that see people in cages in their true sense of worth, in their true sense of self, right? In the story that you've been living through, it doesn't matter what neighborhood you came through. It's like, how'd you come through it? It's like, tell me your, tell me your whole story. Cause coming out of that cage, coming out of those early years or coming out of with the protection of that, that one inner child is like, come on. And, and the sage calls people out um, into the work of their life. What it's I, a beautiful poem. It is a beautiful poem. And it was, especially your interpretation of it, like it just blew my mind. Um, I'm thankful to still get my mind blown after five yes, back at you working together on this stuff. But um, I hear you saying that industry has really kind of matured beyond mm -hmm. that. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. man, that's a powerful thought. And I, I immediately went to like, it's scary uh, to think yeah. about like, what, what's, what's the ROI sure. on, yeah. on yeah. You know, kind of dropping keys instead of maintaining control and predictability, right? But it's there like- I mean, man, can you imagine the, just like we were talking about earlier, uh, the missed opportunity of undeveloped people, right? And it comes back to the same thing again. Like, can you imagine the, the squandered potential, the, the profitability pr pr and productivity of like trying to manage these people who are horribly unhappy? Trying to just like, you know, uh, project manage them into getting their stuff done and you got to hire project managers for your project managers to like get them to get their stuff done and I mean I've been we've been in enough of these corporate rooms where you see it mm -hmm. and it's like you know the barriers to innovation a lot of times have a lot to do with just that layer and layer of bureaucracy mm -hmm. and what I'm hearing you say is like at the bottom of that problem is really like you're talking about undeveloped people that's right you can develop people or you can build cages mm. Mm. Okay, you can develop people or you can build cages. Mm. And what we've come from in modernity is building the most effective cages that human beings can be skilled to occupy. And that page now is turned. And so the new technology isn't smarter, faster, more efficient cages. It's human development for the person so that the new keys aren't a faster laptop, it's a sage in your life that sees in you the rowdy, beautiful prisoner and helps you prepare your life so that you begin to move out and forward. And most companies have the ability to build cages, but they are slipping on how to build leaders, how, to, how do you then release someone from their cage and give them permission um, to outgrow it? And do we have sages around that can drop keys? There are some inside companies. You can spot them. But again, you spot a sage because of what the sage sees in others. The sage doesn't walk around talking about themselves and what they've accomplished. The sage basically is a person who begins to see others for the beauty, rowdiness that's within them. Um, and I would just note that because I think corporations need to figure out the job description of sages and bring them in where the cages are and let the revolution begin of how do we grow people so that they can in fact be released into the work of their life for the benefit of production. I mean, 
you know, I think that they'll get more done in a cage-free <laughs> environment. Mm -hmm. But I think the sages can be missing. I think the cages don't produce humans very effectively. And we spend 60 to 70 hours a week in a cage. We give most of our lives to entering one of these kind of places, believing that the contract we've signed is if we do the cage well, it will give us back what we want in our lives. And like you said, the generation you're part of understands that that's not been made good on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's the alternative? And I think it's this inner path of how leaders are starting to get formed. I might say from the inside out or um, in an awareness. And I think the sage has to awaken people past their title of just, I'm in this cage. I'm VP of this. That's, it's on the door. It's the key. It fits this door. This is what I do. And causing another conversation where the rowdiness that's been inside of us for a long time gets a chance to get expressed. And we start to mobilize that person into some skills that are far more productive for the whole life. Um, so it's a little esoteric, but I believe that's the path and maybe the difference between just getting assigned a cage and being given a key. And there's no sage that's ever around to see in you something more. What I love about that is uh, it, it brings me to one of my uh, all-time favorite quotes from uh, my sister, and uh, and she said, um, you know, she was dealing with like a particularly difficult boss. Actually, mm -hmm. I think this works going looking down or or going up or going up. Um, and she said, you know, I was like, man, how do you how do you do it, right? And uh, she said, you know, you just treat people as the leader they're capable of being. Mm -hmm. There you go. See, Damien, we, we've, we've been doing this for four years. Like I, a, a guy I deeply love and walk with, you know, David Roberts pointed you out to me across the room and you didn't know you're being pointed out. And he said, among all these people, he said, that guy over there pointing at you, he's worth your time. So I went over a little bit later, maybe even walked me over. I was introduced and that was our beginning. I don't think we had a, another conversation for the year, mm. right? But I never forgot that a person with some sage-like eyes, meaning David pointed out that young guy sitting over there, which was you. So why am I going there? Um, you didn't see it in yourself. Right. Yeah. And how could you? But someone in your life that could see it in you became the first step of that formation. That you, in fact, were having a little bit of a rowdiness inside, but where is it safe to talk about that? Or, you know, we just put performance on that. You don't have to deal with that stuff. Just, just perform better, outsource it, get a good title. Um, it'll go away. Whatever it is that we say to ourselves, really, the, the sage... The sage has an ability to look inside to the person like Celine, your sister, and say, I think I see something in you that you might not be seeing in yourself. Now, that's really scary stuff because that's a way to awaken any ego of a person. And of course, they'll follow you. You can sell them books and tapes and right. for a little while. But you know what's crazy is it's actually true about each person. It's just, do we have the path and the skill and if you will, the, the old wise ways of developing who that image really is in that person to where they can come to see it. And I think one of the first things you and I did was this, uh, I might call it in more clinical words, this um, mirror neurons. Hmm. You know, when I look at you, I know what I see. And after a while, you started believing me. So if you would hang out with me, you would actually get from me how to see yourself. You could see in my eyes on you a mirror in which you could begin to find, could it be? Is that, is that possible? Is it true? Am I who Barry thinks I am? But the first thing is, is do you have someone in your life that sees you, that sees it? And then the second is, will you believe them? And then the third is, are there tools? Is there a path where we can actualize and actually become capable of stepping into that so that we, you know, our behavior, our choices, some of our 
begins to align with the truth of that image. But everybody I work with, I always know they hold an image of themselves. And the first place you start is with the image being held. That does that, I mean, we've, I we've mean, talked about this some, right? But most, most leadership coaches will start with behavior. And it's tied to behavior, but you will break a behavioral promise you make to yourself because the behavior you're trying to drive yourself to do, that willpower of that early kid, it, will, it doesn't go deep enough. You'll break the behavior you know you should do because you don't see yourself as a person that's able to do it. Your image is not aligned with your behavior. So it doesn't matter if you change your image. I mean, your behavior, until you get the image right, the behavior is always a cover. Right. So if that's not saying too much too fast, no, it's, I mean, we've got to be able to work down to that that sage sees in you. Yeah, I, what I'm hearing is that in in you seeing me, right, that's allowed me, kind of gave me permission to reformat my image of myself. Thank you. And it took some time, I remember. Um, Thanks. And uh, and in that, right, we were, you know, to to tie it in here, we were reformatting the being, and and being less focused at that time on on, on doing. And then once you can get the being right, then you can look at okay, now now what are we what are we doing with it? There's a lot of people out there trying to do enough do more double down on doing and the issue is in the being the issue is in the image yeah and strong cultures strong teams strong individuals are strong because they've built themselves from the image up and they're not behaving in a false way they're behaving in a way aligned with their image and that's kind of high talk but there's a way to get into it to make that more explainable but until we get down to the image, and that's why I love, you know, the, the sage has to duck his head while the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. There's probably someone in most people's lives that has at one point or another dropped keys around your feet, maybe a grandparent, a third grade teacher, maybe a coach, Somebody saw you and maybe you weren't ready to be seen. Maybe it wasn't safe to come out and believe that. So some of these keys have been, I think, laid at our feet. If you go back and look in your story, the people that didn't flatter you, but actually saw you were, were early indications that there would be a day you'll believe them and you'll pick up a key and you'll come a little bit out of that cage. That's transformation on its way but it's image, identity, true self, image, divine spark. It's called different ways through the perennial wisdom of human history, mm -hmm. but there's no leader that uh, has stood the test of time that wasn't operating from a very deep sense of conviction at the level of image. Yeah. Right. And then there's been a lot of bad leaders who have taken power and they didn't know who they were. And they were trying to use their power to fill the hole of who they were. And it, it doesn't turn out good. And you and I can go through history and start sorting major leaders one way or the other. But Mandela, Gandhi, you mentioned, Mother Teresa, St. Francis, Jesus, Buddha, Hafez, all those people, if you read their works, they're going to talk to you about the center point of image identity is where you begin the formation the west has gutted it yes and our leaderships now are you know we see we see the outcome of that so we we can go back and catch it it's not mystery there's mystery in it but it's not it's not mystery you can know who you are deep down and you can believe it and it can be yours so i think i think that's actually like a beautiful spot to kind of cap it uh okay for now it's fun to think about it all the way down thanks for going there there's so much rich content in there barry like we we blew through an hour super easy um i appreciate you being being willing to do this i had a feeling too. just opening the door on this conversation opening it up to people beyond just you and i like 
I had a feeling like that would just be powerful content regardless. Right. Um, and I wanted to share that with people. Thank you. Thanks um, a bunch for the, for leading us to it. You know? Four and a half years together and we're still, we're still getting them. Uh, and so it's I just to get this much, uh, kind of beauty in just one sitting. And, um, and it, thank you. you know, the overall um, is that, you know, got to be before you do. And like, you know, in order to be, you got to get, get to work on that image. Um, and, yeah. And, and look for the sages in your life and maybe a, a metaphor is stay with the poem. Look for the keys that have been dropped in your story and don't be afraid of them. Recognize them again. Re-see re some of the early ways that you were given a glimpse of yourself. And look again. I look again. Um, before we got all educated and categorized uh look earlier than all of that and I, I think there's probably people in our lives that have visited us as a sage we can talk more about that that'd be a very interesting conversation for people to go look i don't i don't think that's ever happened to me and i'm sitting here throwing the gauntlet down saying no but we've got to talk about that fair fair I'm enough sorry that no one did it and then just sitting here thinking I'm, I'm already starting to be like oh i remember this moment and actually what it made me think of is that I'm, we've, especially kind of the way we've come to live our lives nowadays, mm -hmm. like it's not really even just one cage. It's just like cages inside of cages inside. Oh, of cages. So true, man. It's, it's true. Like those little China dolls or Russian dolls. Yeah. Yeah. I've been freed of many of them just to find them. I'm, I'm in a, a larger cage. Um, and so, you know, that's what you did. That's what you said. So well, when we were talking was like, well, we dissolve that, like those little Russian dolls, you know, that are, yeah, right. Solve that. We think it's getting a bigger one. Uh huh. Oh, it's right. Yeah. You with me? It's not. It's about actually, like you were saying earlier in the conversation, how do you let go? And it's actually coming back in to what's very real image. Right. And holding that as precious and quit trying to scale it onto a title or an org chart. And now I really am important. Look, I'm a leader because it says it. Right. And we're like, really? Yeah. Well, good luck with that. So are you leading most of your leadings because you're leading the meetings because you have the highest title? Because mm -hmm. I assure you, that's not who's leading the meeting always. The person that has real leadership is not the one always with title. And bingo. It's kind of hard sometimes when leaders realize they're wrestling with power because other people actually know how to lead meetings or have the persuasion of the group behind them. But the title person is saying, um, I want it done this way. And, and there's discongruence and it's like the leader doesn't get it. So they have, they're supposed to have the power. And it's like, no, actually it, it moved around the room three times in one meeting mm. and you didn't see it. Like you don't have to empower other people but she was leading for that 15 minutes she did what the meeting needed and right. people were responding. And then you stepped on her toes because you weren't getting your agenda done. So you squished the leader in order to go back to where you thought the meeting had to go and you're losing your team, but you're not aware. Man, that's huge. I know. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Okay. But you know, that's where we're saying that's where the work is. So, Hey, I didn't tell you, I know we're off this. I got this from my grandfather and I didn't know this until I went through a, a box. I'm 63 now. And I went through a box this last year of uh, keepsakes. And I didn't know I had this in my keepsake. I've never seen this before in my life. Huh. I just saw it. And it's from my last name's Brown and the, the title on it, it has letterhead and it says Brown's grocery and market. And it's a letter from my grandfather and he actually dates it. He writes it in pencil and it's in cursive writing. It's one page. And he dates it. And then he says, Dear Barry. Well, by date, I am three years old. Wow. He writes me three paragraphs. I would like, the last paragraph, I would like for you to come and fish with me and you can see my boat, what grandma and me made. Grandma is a fisherman too. Come see me. I will close and mail this. Bless you, Papa. Wow. Now, like, you know, come on, 63 years old, that's nothing to, you know, get moved on. No, because the image I held of myself was when my dad died, the family abandoned us for the most part. And I was just shuttled out to be the man of the house. 
actually the grandfather, the sage, dropped the set of keys at my feet in that letter. And he said, you're worth being with. Come see me. I'd like to fish with you. I see you. I have room for you in my world. I'm handwriting a letter just to you. I'm mailing it now to you. Well, I read that 60 years later for the first time. And I hear Sage, right? And there's something now doesn't like all of a sudden make everything perfect, but it informs me at a very deep level of an image that someone saw in me early on. And I went, there it is. Okay. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. It's amazing. I mean, for me, and I, you know, it, it, that's what a key looks like. That's why I want to read it. I was going to say, you know, it just goes to show, like, if you're a sage, the importance of dropping keys can't be understated. Right and on. It looks like somebody didn't pick it up. Like, it, they might be picking that key up long after you're gone. You know, rowdy, beautiful prisoners. Right. We'll set ourselves free when we're ready. And I think in some ways, and I think that's when, you know, I was ready to probably, I probably could have read that in my forties. And well, I would have always liked it because of my grandfather, but I would have been like, what? But, but now at this season of my life, I can see the key in that thing. Right. So it's kind of cool. Well, it's good to be with you, man. I know we went as long as uh, we should, but we always, we always enjoy our time together. So thanks Damien. I appreciate the opportunity to have these conversations every day. Um, and I appreciate just the appreciate opportunity. you. I appreciate what we uh, are out here trying to do out yeah. in the world. And appreciate yeah. yeah, together. Well, next Friday, 3.30. That's right. And yeah, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And I don't know what the format's going to be. And I don't know how it's going to go. But, um, but so far, so good. So we'll see. I'm showing up for it. So thanks. All right. I appreciate it, Barry. Have All a good right, have a great. Have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. So that was another conversation. And again, thank you for joining us because the contributions each of us made and built on gave us not only something to value in the moment, but now we walk that out into the world. So the purpose of Be Do Labs is not just to grab time from you, but to actually give your time more purpose in the next step you take in your life. So embody it, practice it, and come back for more. Thanks for being part of our community.